Let's have God's Word open us up to Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 to 30. We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 to 30. This is the Word of the Lord. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join with me once more in prayer. God, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and allow our hearts to grasp the things that you have set aside for your holy people. What we do not know, would you enlighten us? What we struggle to believe in, would you give us a deep resolve? God, if there's anything that needs to be corrected and guided, we pray that you would do so. Have your way in us and through us, and continue the good work. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. A few weeks ago, we started our series in the book of Philippians titled, To Live as Christ. And so today in our text, we have that, that moment where we see the title in what we're going through. And so far through Apostle Paul's letter to the church of Philippi, we see that joy is an overarching theme in the midst of hardship. Paul finds joy in the koinonia, or the partnership and fellowship that he has with the church, and he is confident that God who began a good work in and through them will bring it to completion. Paul also finds joy in the confinement of his imprisonment because it has served to advance the gospel. If, if you've been wondering up to this point, how is Paul so unshakable? How is he able to find joy? How is he so confident? Well, today, as he is hard-pressed, we see what lies at the core of his resolve. And so let me ask us this this morning to consider as, as, we, as we have God's word, let's, let's reflect on 
what are the things that we find our joy in? What are the sources of your joy? What is at the core of your resolve for all that you do? What are some words or quotes or maxims that you live by? Let me go through with you a few uh, common ones. First, if you look with me, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Who said it? That was Eleanor Roosevelt. Next, life is not the amount of breaths you take. It's about the moments that take your breath away. Wow, what a beautiful words to live by. Who said it? We don't know who said it, but we'll give it to Alex Hitchens from the movie Hitch. <laughs> Next one. <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Dominic Toretto. Next. Nothing is impossible. Tom Cruise. We don't know who said it, but we'll give it to Tom Cruise after doing six Mission Impossible movies. And I think they're planning on a seventh and an eighth. Tom Cruise, nothing is impossible. Next quote. Anything in life worth doing is worth overdoing. Who said it? We'll also give that to Tom Cruise, who's making eight Mission Impossible movies. You know, a lot of times we hear these types of quotes, these maxims, these words to live by. And we, and we orient our life uh, with it. And, and we, we have it as an inspiration or a cue to help us to remember. And some of us, maybe we, we follow more traditional ones like birds of a feather flock together. Actions speak louder than words. All good things come to those who wait. The grass is greener on the other side. Oftentimes when we go through life, when we're hard pressed, these types of words to live by are triggered in us. And, it, and it's supposed to encourage us or remind us of a deep truth. And so, if you were to ask Paul, what do you live by? What is your joy? What is at the core of your resolve? He would say, as he does in verse 21, look with me, to live is Christ and die is gain. It's short, it's sweet, and it packs a punch. If, if, you, were, if you were in the congregation and you heard this being read, you would sit there and you would realize at that point that this was... A punchline. It was a. It was a mic drop. It was, it was a a short and sweet packaging of the gospel that made you just go, whoa, to live as Christ and die as gain. And 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 this is what Paul is saying. This is the gospel in its most practically applied rule of life: to live as Christ and die as gain. Paul says something very similar in more words in Galatians 2.20. If you remember, look here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is basically saying, when I became a Christian, when I decided to follow Christ, I've been crucified with him. I experienced and shared in his death, and I also experienced and shared in his life. He's saying the old Paul is dead. He no longer lives. The life I now live, I live for Christ and to Christ and for the cause of Christ. And so he can say in the most short and sweet 
For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is at the core of Paul's resolve. This is what he lives by. And so in verse 22 to 23 in our text today, if you look with me, he continues. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, if I am to continue this life here, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Verse 22 and 23 tells us that Paul is hard pressed between the desire to remain on earth and continue his ministry, to suffer, to strive, to advance the gospel, or to die and be at rest with Jesus. He admits that his desire is to depart this life and to be with Christ. But, but we got to remember, this, this wasn't Paul giving up or feeling defeated. This isn't him being depressed to the point of death as he sits in his jail cell. This was Paul, faced with the possibility of death and being confident that he will only cross the shadow of death and then be with Jesus for all eternity and rest with him. This is what he's desiring. This is what he is saying is better. And so he's conflicted. He, he knows there's still a bit more work to be done with the church that he has partnered with. Yet in his old age, as he has ran the race, he also desires to be with Christ because he knows that he's eternally better. And so he is hard-pressed between these two conflicting desires he feels that it's still a little bit premature to leave this earth. And he knows that he has a little bit more work to do with the Philippian church. And so in verse 24 to 25, he continues and he says, But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. We see that Paul although he is in prison, has an overarching umbrella of joy in his life. Although he is suffering, although he is hard-pressed, he can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And at the same time, he, he does this with a focus not on his own circumstances, not on what he lacks, doesn't have, or, or indeed does have. He does this with a focus on the church that he is focused on. The church that he is partnered with. He does this with an other-focused perspective. He says, he says, it's not better for me that I do this or that, but it's better for you that I remain, and so I'm confident that I will remain. And so verse 24 to 25, Paul tells the church that it is more necessary on their account that he remains in the flesh and continues to labor with them for the sake of the gospel. Convinced of this, Paul says that he's confident that God will preserve him for the time being so that Paul will continue to be with the church as they grow in faith. You know, at this point, many of us can imagine that Paul, at his age, of the things that he has accomplished and sacrificed, could just live his life, go somewhere remote, be comfortable, and no one would count it against him. Yet even when faced with death, He's not concerned about his own circumstances. In fact, he's not even concerned about his own life. 
He's concerned about the furthering and the growth and the maturing of other believers, other brothers and sisters. This is where his joy is at. This is where his zeal is at. You know, he doesn't have a retirement plan. He doesn't, he doesn't have a bucket list he's crossing off. The reason he can say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain is because for Paul, life is very simple. Joy is very simple. It's to love Christ and to love his church. You know, if I can give you an illustration, Paul is like a parent who sees the child's milestones and, and prepares for them in advance. And even though Paul is, is nearing the age of retirement or is older in age and, and he could just live his life now, he, he sees that there are a few more things that he wants to be able to walk with his church and like a parent who works and saves up so they can buy their kid a car when they get their license. Like parents who continue to work and save up so they can send their child to college, get them married, help them buy a house, and even start a savings account for their grandkids. It makes me think about my parents. You know, I'm blessed with four now through marriage. Both my moms and both my dads are amazing people. And at their age right now, and the things that they were able to accomplished, they could probably retire if they wanted to. They could live their lives and be comfortable. My dad could finally get his truck and his dog. My mom could guard it and maybe even paint again. I remember growing up as a kid, seeing my mom uh, with big canvases on, on, the, on the wall and painting and doing artwork. Now, they could do all those things. They could move out to the countryside, live a simple life. But they continue to go out to work, open their store, and save, and store, and provide. They continue to labor for their kids, for their grandkids. And, and most of all, if I'm, if I'm being sincere, for their church. I see the way that they sacrifice, and they love, and they pour out for the church that they're a part of. For the sake of Christ. And honestly, sometimes I, I just want to tell them it's okay. You can rest now. You know, both my, my fathers are elders, and even as a pastor, I just want to say you've done enough. You've given enough. You know, you've served the church enough as an officer. It's okay to, to rest a little bit now. But their desire is to continue to pour out. And you know what the crazy thing is? Every time they sacrifice and put others first, Every time they come to my house and drop off food, every time I see them go early to church or help and take care of the, the snow removal, and every time they, they give more to the church because the, they need the finances, I, I see the joy in their eyes. They're really and genuinely joyful. And I, and I think it's because they understand this. To live is Christ and to die is gain. They're content. They, they view life and death as very simple. If they're going to be alive, that means fruitful labor for them, for the cause of Christ and His church. And if they die, they can welcome it with joy because that's far better and that means they can be with Christ. So how can Paul be so selfless and focused on others and the gospel? Again, it's because his, his most deepest desire is that of Christ and that of the gospel going forth, that of the church continuing to get this message.
so that we may win souls. For Paul, to be a follower of Christ means fruitful labor, a labor that results in the growth of others. He says in verse 20, I will not be at all ashamed that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It's so simple for him. Serving Christ is Paul's life goal. It's his one desire. And the irony and the, and the beauty is he's not so much worried about even his own growth. He's worried about others growing. And in that way, we see that even Paul, even in his old age, even in his spiritual maturity, is continuing to be made more and more like Christ. His deepest concern isn't, is he growing in his faith? Is he being sanctified? Is he able to be consistent in his Bible reading? His, his deepest concern is for others to grow. And as he focuses on others, as he focuses on Christ, he's also able to grow. And so then let me ask us, friends, brothers and sisters, what is life to you? What is life to you? Is it to be successful, or comfortable, or powerful? Or maybe, maybe for many of us, life to us, our desire is just to be normal. Maybe for some of you, your life seems so lacking when you compare it to others that you just, you just want what other people have, not more or not less. You just want to have a normal amount, and that would make you happy. Perhaps life to you is just, just to have what everyone else has, and, and, and you would be content at that. Is life to you what you can do after retirement? Or simply the things that you can cross off your bucket list. Christians, brothers and sisters, let us live by these words. To live is Christ and to die is gain. When you're hard-pressed, when you're in between difficult decisions, can this be what we live by? To live is Christ and die is gain. When we're lacking, when we are overflowing, can we say to live is Christ and to die is gain? When we're sick, when we're healthy, when things are going good and when things are going bad, can we say simply that to live is Christ and to die is gain? And so that is the first thing that we can see the Apostle Paul finding his resolve in. The simplicity of life, living for Christ, living for his church. The second thing we see as he continues in verse 27, he says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He says, only let your manner of life. Another way we can say this, and another way we can understand it is, only live as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. The language used here is to invoke a paradigm shift in one's life. If to live is Christ and die is gain, that means this world has no claim on you. You are ultimately a citizen of heaven. You're living in this world, but not for this world. You see, for Paul, when, 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 he, when he encourages the church only let your manner of life or only live as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. What he's saying is that, hey, remember, life 
for the Christian is very simple. To live for the cause of Jesus and also to pour into and love the church that is able to advance this gospel forward. And so if that's the reality, then, then we understand that this earth, this life, this house, this ground, these hardships are only momentary. It's, it's not forever. It's not the place we're going we're gonna to call home, so to speak. But our home, our citizenship is in heaven. We're reminded in order to truly live by the words to live as Christ and die as gain, we have to see heaven as our home and our belongingness there. If we do so, then we won't get too attached to this life or even life itself, which in turn allows us to live freely to serve Christ and His church in all that we do. So he invokes this citizenship, this sense of belongingness, not tied down to this earth or this life, but to that of heaven. This is only let your manner of life or only let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel. And I want to pause here, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Often when we think about being worthy, we, we think about it as something that we have to deserve or to do to receive it. Right? When Paul says, worthy of the gospel of Christ, he's not saying that we have to earn it or we have to prove it. Living as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ means that we live in line or with according to the gospel of Christ. That we conduct our lives in such a way that is worthy or true or in line with or in accordance with the gospel of Christ. Being worthy doesn't mean you have to earn it. Actually, it means having received it, you simply submit to it. Let me give you an illustration not too long ago, Netflix came out with a movie titled The King, and it's about King Henry V. And we see his life before he wears the crown, that he wastes it with women and wine. He squanders it. But as his father is sick and dies, and as he is crowned new king, he sees and he experiences the weight of what that crown means. You can tell that he doesn't want to be king. He doesn't want the weight of such glory and responsibility. In fact, at the core of his being, he knows that he's not worthy of it, that he hasn't earned it, that he hasn't built up the proper character or has done the deeds that deems him worthy to be king. But the crown was passed to him nonetheless. So we see the young prince he didn't receive the crown because he earned it or he was worthy of it necessarily, but in fact, that the crown, as it was placed on him, made him worthy. You could say that the crown of glory even sanctified him each day as he stopped living for himself and started to live for his kingdom. Even to the point where he becomes one or synonymous with England. His name is no longer simply his own, but it's carried and tied to his country. And his country is no longer just a place, but it's tied to his identity and where he belongs. See, similarly, brothers and sisters, when we are encouraged to live a life worthy 
of the gospel of Christ, to be citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's not telling us that we have to earn it or prove ourselves. It's telling us that as citizens of heaven, we have been given that home, that belongingness. It's already been placed on us like a crown of glory. And as that weight and glory of Christ is placed on us, it transforms us. It redeems us. And it actually makes us more and more like Christ. See, worthiness is not something we earn. Worthiness is something that happens as we continue to obey and follow after Christ. It's not a worthiness we have to achieve. It's a worthiness that was given. Now we're called to live according to it. Let it shape us, refine us, make us more like Him. So then what does that look like practically? In verse 27, Paul continues. If you look with me, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side, what? For the faith of the gospel. What, is it, what does it look like to live a life worthy of the gospel? It's to live as Christ and die as gain. It's to have that type of mentality. And it's also to, to desire and, and put a priority on others. To, to desire a humility that, that unites you to your fellow countrymen, to your fellow citizens, to your fellow brothers and sisters, just as Christ has united himself to you and I. It's to stand firm in one spirit, to be of one mind, to strive side by side together. Why? So that the gospel would continue to advance. You see that theme carried out constantly, the gospel advancing, joy being tasted and seen even in the midst of hardship. Life and death not being something to be counted too heavily or even to be afraid of, but something so simple when it's given to Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. As citizens of heaven, this is how we live worthy of the gospel of Christ. We live driving side by side so that the gospel would advance. No matter what the sufferings or struggles may be, no matter what joys may come and try to make us content or lazy, we strive side by side with a simple life philosophy or words to live by. That if we live, that means fruitful labor for us. And if we die, that means eternal rest with Christ. And so let me conclude with this point. In verse 29, it says, It has been granted to you has been granted to you if you are hard-pressed with struggles if you are hard-pressed with difficult decisions if you are hard-pressed with sufferings know that just as verse 29 says for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake that you not only believe in him but suffer for his sake when I when I when I read this it hit me afresh that, that 
being a Christian is not simply about what we believe, but, but it's also by what we get to experience with Christ. Paul's telling us that as Christians, the joy that we have is not only that we get to believe in Jesus and have a knowledge of who he is, but that we get to share in his experience, in his sufferings. So let me put it to you in this way. Let's, let's say there is a company out there that you really believe in. You believe in the mission statement, the cause, the purpose. You see what they're doing. And the CEO is someone that you really admire. And you can see that they really want to make a difference in this world. What if you were able to go and work for that company directly with that CEO? You would follow them around, learn from them, share in their joys and sufferings. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that something, isn't that a place that you would want a job or beyond the job? Wouldn't that be a place where you may even feel a sense of calling and purpose? Well, you see, if you really believe in the message and the power of the gospel, and if you really love Jesus, wouldn't you want to serve him, work with him, share in his joys and his sufferings? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that suffering be worth it? Wouldn't the focus of that not just be the things that we lose, but all that we gain? Friends, in whatever ways you may be hard-pressed, would you know that in Christ you are citizens of heaven? Would you live your life worthy of the gospel and let it speak into your life? The Christian call is very simple. Whatever you do, do it to honor Christ. Whatever you endure, endure it knowing you will be made more like Christ. To live as Christ and to die as gain, then life is simple. Don't think too highly of yourself. Think highly of Christ and your fellow citizens. Let's... Pray together as we reflect